can also find us on the web, uh, website, which is churchatbriargate.org, and there's always the updated information there. So we're going to go ahead and pray for this morning's tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that here in this place you have given us the honor and the privilege and the blessing of just being in your presence. And we thank you for that, Lord God. Lord, we pray that you will take this morning's tithes and offerings, Lord, that you will use them to further your kingdom here at this church and throughout the world, Lord God, and to the nations. Lord, we love you. We pray, God, that you would open our ears and open our hearts to receive from you this morning, that the words that you have for us would fall on fertile soil, Lord God, that the seeds would be planted, that we'd be able to take what you're giving to us, Lord God, and that we'd be able to go forth this week and to just extend that love that you have given to us in Jesus' name. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Go ahead and watch the screens for some announcements. I'm Allison. Welcome to Church at Briargate. We're so excited that you decided to spend your Sunday here with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a Connect card in the back of the seat and put it in the offering plate or in the basket outside of the church office. Let me tell you about a few events coming up. The Ladies' Luncheon is this Tuesday, November 27th in the foyer. Please bring a dessert or a side dish to share. The annual Ladies' Holiday Soup Supper is this Friday, November 30th at 6.30 p.m. in the sanctuary. This Wednesday, after the midweek service, we need as many people as possible to stay and help move chairs out of the sanctuary so that our ladies' leadership team can start setting up. The 20-somethings Mystery Dinner is next Monday, December 3rd at the Ustak Som at 6 p.m. If you're interested in joining, please contact Linda Bottoms so that she can give you a character description. This is for ages 18 to 29. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about these and other church events and ministries, please visit our website, churchatbriargate.org. You can also stay connected by liking us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and YouVersion. Have a great week. Good morning. Wasn't worship great? I love it when we get to do an acoustic set. I'm a Texas girl, so I like things big, but I like it when we get to do that. And um, that cello, I mean, let's just, that cello is wonderful. So we are really blessed to have Sam and Allison here with us. So it's me this morning. Pastor Scott is gone. He is gone to India. Um, he is with uh, Dr. Matthews, and they are there um, with the building that we're building, and it's a church, eventually going to be a clinic. He told me this week um, he must have fallen on his trip over some railroad tracks, I think he said, and um, he fell and hurt himself, and he became the first patient in our clinic. Now, isn't that fitting? So Dr. Matthews fixed him up, but I'm going to show you some pictures. Um, this is Pastor Scott with our builder. Um, his name, I got it right here, Chandra, something like that. Uh, spell it, J-H-A-N-G-I-R. Um, and that is Pastor Scott. He is there with the builder. The builder was showing him the building. The picture next to him is them coming out of the house, him and Dr. Matthews. Um, and I said, is that Christmas decorations? And he said, that's how we roll so I guess that means that's Christmas decorations. Then this is a picture of the first night that they arrived in Ramper Hut. Um, he was, um, he was, they flew. You understand this was an extremely long trip, longer than it should have been. They left uh, Monday night. Susan and I went up and went to dinner with um, 
Scott and Dr. Matthews, and then they left Tuesday morning really early um, in the middle of the night to leave, and they went somewhere in California. I can't remember where it was. And they got there, and then they had to wait, and then they left and went to China. They were supposed to have a five-hour layover in China. Um, They changed their flights where they had a 23-hour layover. So by the time they, you know, they didn't left China, and they finally got to India, and they stayed in Calcutta, Calcutta one night, and then they got on a train and flew, I mean flew, <laughs> rode to Rampart. So it took them a long time to get there. So when they get there, they're tired, exhausted, and he said, I'm preaching to them out of Timothy. Now, I don't know why he was preaching to them out of Timothy, but I didn't ask why. But this is our pastor's. Um, Santosh and Jessia, um, and they are excited about being there. And so Pastor Scott sent me some videos. Are they ready this time? Do we have videos? First service, we had some technical difficulties. And when I studied that during my tenth time, again my younger brother he got the sickness. So, those are the videos he sent this morning. Um, it's 11:40 here. It is 11:40 at night tomorrow, tonight there. And so, and when I woke up this morning, I had these. And the first video was Santosh, Santosh singing in Bengali, um, which is big deal because he speaks Hindi. And is learning Bengali to be able to, to minister in Ramparha. And then the second video was Jasia, and he has given his testimony. So that is what's going on. This, um, for church, they got up and they went 45 miles. Took them two hours um, to go 45 miles to a church where um, a pastor named Bashir is the pastor there. And he's going to be the mentor to our pastors that are in India. And so they've had an eventful weekend already. And I talked to Scott on a regular basis he texts often, um, and so if you have something to say, let me know. Um, if he has Wi-Fi, he can text you back, but if he doesn't, he will not um, because <laughs> he only got 100, and we used the first 24 on our family group text while he was flying, so he's, he's um, rationing those. So this morning, I am going to get to be your speaker. My name is Linda Bottoms. I'm his wife, and today we're going to talk about being the key. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about how we can show Christ's love to other, so others. Everyone repeat with me, I can be the key. You can be the key. Luke 19.10 says, this is when Jesus was talking to Zacchaeus. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So now we know why Christ came. To seek and save those who are lost. You and I encounter people every day that are hurting, that are hoping, that are searching, that are lost, and they're looking for an answer. And usually we have no idea what's going on in their life, but we can be the key. Take time to watch this video.
how many of you have ever experienced an escape room? Ever went and did that with your family, an escape room, did something fun? Um, I did this last year um, in January with my teams. I have two teams, and we all went to an escape room. There was about 30 of us, broke up into teams of about six each. Um, My team, I was the weakest link for sure. We lost. We did not escape. It's hard. Our room, you go in, and we went in a mine, some kind of coal mine, and we're looking to escape. We got trapped in there. And so we go in there, and it's dark, and they've got little flashlights, and we've got a helmet with a light on it. And we have to find our way out. And so we're looking and looking and looking, and you're looking in every corner and every crevice, and we find this treasure chest or this lunchbox type thing. And um, then we find a key. You know, and of course, the first thing we do is run over and check and see if the key would work, and it wouldn't. Then you have to keep looking until you find another key and then a combination, and there was lots and lots of math. And um, I got trapped in the mine because I didn't get out. It was really tough. It was a tough experience for me. <laughs> some people, there were three other teams. Some escaped. Not me. And um, it was hard. It was a hard thing to try to figure that out. Fortunately, becoming the key in Christ's world, being Jesus to others, is not that difficult. It's much easier. God has given us answers in his word, and we can use those to be the key to those around us. Repeat after me, I can be the key. That's right, we're going to get that today. Get that down inside us. I can be the key that God uses. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind... I'm going to read this really slow because it speaks to me. It, it might speak to you. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? I'm going to read it again. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or the way we grew up saying it, uh, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness, his goodness towards us. I know for me, I have to say that often. Don't you see, Linda, how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with me? A couple of months ago, we had a mother's prayer meeting here at the church. Um, Pastor Shelby and I kind of had a, had been talking to several mothers. You know, as mothers, you just worry about your children. You worry about them when they're young and they're living with you, but it's nothing like worrying about them when they move out of your house and they're doing stupid things that you cannot control, you know, and you cannot punish them for it. Uh, matter of fact, you got to just say, nice, like that. And so we decided we was going to get us a support group. <laughs> so we, uh, we brought, had a bunch of women. We've been praying for our kids together and, and just lifting each other up. So we had a prayer meeting here at the church. And um, Pastor Shelby was leading in prayer over somebody. Uh, I can't remember who it was. And she said these words. She was praying, and in her, during her prayer, she said, Jesus Um, God, we know that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And when she said that, it was like God took my head and turned, called my name. Like, look over here, look over here. 
And I, my head turned and I looked at her. And I no longer knew anything else that was going on in the room because God was revealing to me. God was speaking to me. And I just kept staring at her. And I didn't tell her about it probably for months. Um, but he said, he revealed to me that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Now, I have sang that song. I have said that verse. I have done all of those things all my life. But don't you love it the moment God says, listen to this. Linda, listen, you need this. This is what I'm speaking to you. So I began to contemplate that. I began to think about it. I began to research it. I began to talk about it and say, what exactly does that look like? You see, Christ is always, he is wooing us with his kindness. I love that phrase. I found that when I was preparing for this message. Christ is wooing us. In other words, he is, um, I've lost the word again. Who was first service? What's the word? Pursuing us. He is pursuing us. He is wooing us with his kindness. Think about when you started dating for the first time. You weren't like you are now. I know. It was kindness. What can I do for you? How can I help you? You know, everything we could do to get them to like us, to be a part of us. God is wooing us. He shows his love to us with his kindness. I love the song Reckless Love. And the reason being, the reason I love it so much is for the bridge. And the bridge says this. There's no shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall he won't kick down. Lie he won't tear down coming after me. That means it doesn't matter what I've done, where I'm going. Christ is pursuing me. And he's going to do what it takes to bring me into relationship with him. You know, and sometimes we grow up and we grow up with lies about the church or about ourselves. And, and that can hinder us. And I love that it says, no lie he won't tear down coming after us. And every time I see it, I imagine him doing that. And what he's doing for me. He chases after us with his kindness. With his love. Would you be drawn to someone who was always sharp with you? You know, every time you walked in and asked them a question, you may experience this at work, I don't know. They're sharp with you. Be gone with, be gone with you. They're sharp and curt. And they don't have good things to say. Someone that was demanding or rude. Maybe somebody who didn't seem to ever have time for you. No, you wouldn't. We are drawn to those people who show us kindness. We are drawn to those people who see us, who take time to help us or, or to see our need or to simply just say hello. We're drawn to that. I was in Texas this week. Um, I went down there to see my grandbaby because that's what you do when you have one. I found out that it, there's no mountain high enough keep you from our trip long enough. We drove down to Dallas. Um, Emily, my daughter, is going to Sagu in uh, January. She had a job interview kind of thing, and so we drove down for that, and my kids were there in Dallas, and 
I got to spend a lot of time with them and the grandbaby. And then my sister called and really wanted us to come um, see her. And that's three hours further. And, of course, I did it because my sister called. So we go down there, and then I drive 14 hours back and was wondering why I so badly needed to see her. But, you know, that's what you'll do for family. That's what you'll do for people you love is to be there. And when you're in Texas, everybody is nice. I had forgotten about that. Now they all sound like this, but they're all nice. And it's a great place to be because you feel so welcomed. It's Christ's kindness working through us who leads them to repentance. Therefore, I can conclude that it is our kindness to them as Christians that leads them to repentance. Did you follow that? If Christ, if it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance, then when we're kind to people and we're serving the Lord, it's our kindness to people that draws them to Him. Our kindness. I am the worst of sinners. I'm just going to confess to you and be honest right now and right here. I get irritated easily. I get frustrated. I get put out. Ask my family. They don't want me. Do not let mom call customer service. That's what they say. I I listen, people. I know y'all think I'm sweet little Linda, but I get irritated. I get put out. I cannot. I cannot be nice. You know, I'm matter of fact. And matter of fact, I'm always in a hurry. I like to get things done. My biggest pet peeve is people who are late. Don't you know what time you have to be here? I set my alarm. I was there. You know, I am just, I can get put out. I am not the nicest person ever. I know this is just revelation to you people, you know. But sometimes I get irritated. And because of those characteristics of mine that I work on, I know that about me. I try to be so sweet. So nice, so patient. And because of that, because I know that's the case, there have been times I have totally missed out on what God was trying to do through me or for me. Because I have decided to live in my flesh instead of listening to the Holy Spirit. For me, I am always in a hurry. Got to get to the next thing. For you, it could be insecurity. It could be fear. It could be being self-conscious. There's all kinds of reasons why you miss opportunities that God wants to use in you. One time when, uh, when we used to live in Strasburg, Colorado, and um, I, uh, Greta, can you give me a Kleenex? Right here, some in the altar. That's because that's where we cry, on the altar. Woo. So uh, when I was, lived in Strasburg, I was on a bowling league. Now, don't laugh. That's all there is to do in Strasburg. I was pretty good. So I was on a bowling league with my friends, and, um, you know, you get to know those people, and, and you get to know their lives. And um, there was a lady there that was much, quite a bit older, and she was on the bowling league, and she had grown up in Aurora First Assembly, not grown up, but attended that for years. And when she moved out to Strasburg, she was going to church out there um, to a different church. And so I knew she knew the Lord. So it wasn't because she needed Jesus. But one time I was in King Supers, and um, I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks. And so when I saw her, of course, I stopped and I talked to her. And, and she told me about all this medical diagnosis that she had had. 
And you could tell she was devastated. And I knew in my spirit that I should have prayed for her right then and there in the middle of King Soopers. But I didn't. And as soon as I didn't, I remember God saying to me, you missed it. You missed it. But see, I was concerned about what everybody there would think and more concerned about if she would be uncomfortable with that. But probably she would have been more than happy for that. And I'm so thankful that I missed that and not an opportunity for someone to come and know Christ. I missed it because I was in a hurry and I was worried about my own feelings. Have you ever been in that situation where you missed it? You just totally missed it. God is always, he is always faithful to tell me when I missed it. Always. So repeat after me, I can be the key. So we're going to talk about three things to remember about being the key. You can be the key. Y'all aren't as enthusiastic as first service. I can be the key. There you go. You can be the key. That's right. So first thing is you have to remember that every key is different. Every key, um, most every key is different. There was this one time that my van, I locked myself out and somebody else had a key that worked. But either way, besides that, most of the time every key is different. And um, (laughs) I could be rambling. Okay. It's important to keep in mind that there are many different types of keys, and not every key unlocks every door. We learned that um, adventure in the escape room. Most of the time when we found a key, and then we frantically ran to where the box or or the code or whatever we need to unlock it, um, we only had an hour, you see. I could have been in there eight. So, uh, uh, and tried to, we put the key in there. It didn't work. That's really what happened most of the time. That's the reason we lost. (laughs) But it didn't work. Not all keys fit every lock. But what it did mean is we didn't, that didn't mean we didn't try the key. You know, we didn't find the key and pick it up and examine it and think, I don't think it's going to work over there in that lock. Nope, not going to happen. Even if it was a regular standard lock and it was a skeleton key, you know, we tried to put it in there. Because we were trying to open the box. Well, that's what keys are. That's what we do with keys is we try them. We're trying to unlock it. What we're talking about today is we're trying to unlock the revelation for those who don't know Christ. We're trying to unlock that revelation. And we are the key that does that. We are the key that unlocks the revelation. Have you ever had the experience of witnessing to a coworker, a friend, or a family member? I think about my friend that you know um, had the the daughter that was dating a boy that was unsaved, and they witness and witness and witness and witness and witness to him, you know, like till they couldn't witness anymore out of desperation. And then he goes to a meeting at the church, and someone there says, "Do you want to know Jesus?" Yeah. You know, and accepts Christ. Has that ever happened to you? That you've given and given and given and given and given, but you weren't the key? I can be the key. Just like keys are different, so are moments. I feel like I've missed a scripture verse. So are moments. 
And unless you had spent time with them, most of the time you don't know. Most of the time you don't know if you're actually making a difference. Whether we like it or not, we are God's representatives with skin on. Our actions, our words, our responses all represent the one we serve. And if there's one thing I've learned in 28 years of ministry is that it's all about timing. Every bit of it. When I was watching that video this time, I've watched it several times in the last week or two. And they were all standing on the elevator. It made me think, when I'm on the elevator with other people, people I don't know, what are they going through? And you know that few second ride that you're on the elevator, what are they going through? How can I be the key? How can I do something just in those moments? Because timing is everything. When we, um, years ago, uh, when we first started serving on the board at Southwestern on the alumni board, um, we had been called away to a meeting, and we were at a meeting, and a man in our church had a heart attack. And he had been rushed to Denver, and we couldn't get home. And we were coming home the next day, but we couldn't get home. And so I called our youth pastors, and I said, hey, go up and see him. Um, he needs somebody there. Y'all go up there. Now, make sure you do it. Go ahead and go do it right now. Go on up there. He needs somebody. So, of course, they did. They got right on it and went up there. And for the rest of their relationship, our youth pastor was top dog. He could walk on water because it was all about timing. He showed up there. It wasn't, I want to say, I sent him. I sent him to go up there. That didn't matter. It's all about timing when he could be there with him. Say with me, I can be the key. So in 1 Corinthians, number two is God can use every key. So even though your key may not be the one that unlocks it, God uses every key. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, and this is Paul speaking, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. The spirit of the, this is Galatians 5.22, the spirit of love, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Those are the characteristics of Christ. When we strive to follow His example and let His attributes flow through us, then we get to be the key that God uses to show His love to those around us. We get to be God. We get to be that revenue, that that um, path that they get to come to know Christ. And we can choose to do that or we can choose not to do that. And unfortunately, sometimes I've made a choice, unconsciously made a choice to hinder instead of help. So what does it look like to be the key? Well, let me give you some examples of some things that I struggle with because remember I'm irritable and negative and all those things. The waitress who really shouldn't be a waitress See, you laugh because you all know. There are those waitresses that do not keep my tea filled up. Imagine that, but they don't. The waitress that really should be doing something else. And you know, it is so hard for me because in my flesh and who I usually am, I get irritated. Let me tell you something else that irritates me. I keep thinking because I know my kids are in here and they could tell you all the things. If you tell me it's going to be 30 minutes till we get a table, at 30 minutes I'm wanting to know where my table is. And so I try to be nice. 
I say it nicely, like, where's my table? I don't, you know, so I get frustrated with that and irritated. But not my husband. Not really. He really doesn't. He, we go in, and the waitress should not be a waitress, but he is as kind as he can be. He is just, he is okay, he is patient, because you know why? Because he's going to witness to her before that meal is up, and if he is acting like me, he will not be sharing the love of Jesus. And so then now I have the whole family that's like, Mom, don't talk. (laughs) Mom, don't talk. Because that is my natural bent. To want, I want perfection. I want you to do your job. So that is what it looks like to be the key. How about the mom with the crying baby on the airplane? Kindness, mercy. You know, I used to be the one, really, truly. You've got to have friends that help you in life. That baby get on, you're like, oh, my goodness, they're sitting right behind me. They're sitting right behind me. You know, this baby's screaming. I don't like screaming. But to say, okay, where's she at? Do you think she said, I can't wait to get on that plane so my baby can start screaming. And then 300 people can stare at me while I ride two hours in the air. No, that's not her plan. And it was not long ago till I, I was flying with a friend. And um, there had a baby behind us screaming. And she turns and says, would you like me to hold your baby for you? And immediately my attitude changes because that's called conviction. It does, though. Immediately, I'm like, you are so right. That is so right. Can I hold her for you while you go to the restroom? Is there something you need to go do? Do you just need a break? Is there something I can do? Don't you worry about that, baby. We're fine. That is what being the key looks like. How about the clerk at the store that rings up too many of whatever item you have or gives you the wrong change? And argues with you about it. (laughs) Sorry, my flesh was coming out. (laughs) I mean, seriously, these are the things. These are the things that just everyday things in life, that we're going through life, that we have the opportunity to share Christ's love and to show them kindness and goodness. Listen, this is a practical message today. Who are we? Who are we? We are called of God, and Christ came to seek and save those who are lost. And sometimes we as Christians are just hindering that. We're just getting in the way. Because you, if you're going to, if you're going to wait tables, you need to be able to get my teeth. You know, that's the attitude that some of us, and a lot of times me, has. And it's when I have to know that and on purpose say to myself, you are here representing Christ. Not just standing up here doesn't represent Christ. We do it every day, everywhere we go. How about the coworker who is not pulling his or her weight again at work? Man, that'll put you under. Maybe not you, me. It'll put you under. You've got your own examples of things that drive you crazy. Let me give you one more just because I'm confessing. Listen. If you are going to drive slow, get in the right lane. Because I will. It's okay. You don't have to drive fast. I like to. I got a ticket on my trip. I'm just going to confess before Scott tells you. But I wasn't really going that fast. We had been really good. We had been really good. But now I got a ticket. So it's okay to drive slow. That is okay. Just do it over here. 
not over here. So see, I lose. Before I ever get to work, I've already lost the victory. And sometimes as I'm driving, I have to say to myself, Linda, your attitude is so bad. No, Linda, you're, it's okay. We can just drive slow. It's okay. I have to say, talk to myself because we represent Christ. We are the key that God uses to unlock all the goodness that he has prepared for them. God uses us, his children, representatives, followers, to unlock the hearts of people who are lost, hurting, and searching for something better than they have right now. They want something better than the miserable life they're living right now. Or the life of, what do you do? I've heard people say this, you know, life, you live and you die. How sad is that? But you could be the key that plays a part. We have a, a van that sits out in front of my office, um, which there yet again, see, you're, pray for your pastor's wife. Like there's these cars that park in front of the office that aren't supposed to, and that drives me crazy, and I'm the only one who complains, so I just quit because I've been convicted. But there's this one van that parks out there, and they've got some kind of Christian something here, and then something really bad on the other side, a bumper sticker. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we act like. That's what we do. Uh, Scott has always said, I remember when we were young um, youth pastors, he preached a message and he talked about this and the way we act in public. And he made this comment and I think it rings true. If you're going to act like that, don't tell them do you go to my church. And that's true. That's so true. Sometimes it is... You know, I have Church at Briargate little sticker on my car. Church at Briargate in Texas. Out in my car. And um, sometimes I have to really, I am aware of that. And I have to really watch what I'm doing. Your neighbors are not stupid. At least about this. They're not stupid. They understand that apple trees grow apples. Grapevines grow grapes. Strawberry bushes grow strawberries. And they understand Christians should grow Christians. And if your neighbors aren't seeing you act very Christian, they really don't believe you are. We have a, um, we have a neighbor next to us. If you've ever been to our house very often, you, we always talked about the house next door that has been empty for four years. Well, someone has finally moved into the house, and with them came two dogs. Well, three, now it's down to two um, little things but man they sound vicious and they have caused havoc all in our home on our neighborhood um, I've heard people yelling out the door your dogs are out of control um, animal services has been called to their door I mean all kinds of things and Scott and I are terrified that they're going to think it was us and why is that because we will never be able to win them to Jesus if we're not showing them the kindness of the Lord. So now we talk to them and we've invited them over for dinner. When Scott gets home, we have to have dinner. You know, him and his fiance, they really need Jesus. But if we're not kind to our neighbors, if we're not showing them Jesus, they will never know. They will never be drawn to him. Um, God can use every key. It may not be the key that unlocks it the first time, but he is going to use your key. So don't have the excuse that my key won't unlock it. 
You give it a try. You do your best. Say after me, I can be the key. Number three, listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. Man, this is what I've really been trying to do um, in the last seven or eight years. It says, I believe that the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. We just don't know that it's Him. I've told this story before, and I'll go ahead and tell it again for the new people. But um, I went on a mission about five years ago. I began to pray, God, I want to know when you're speaking to me. I want to know when it's you and when it's just me. I don't want to miss it because I really begin to realize that he is speaking to me all the time and that it's about little things that really don't matter. But you see, I believe as we serve God and as we walk with him, he protects us, he provides for us. I think he tries to take care of us. He tries. That was the key word. He tries to take care of us. So here's my greatest example. One time I'm leaving to go up to ladies retreat. It's in Keystone, I think. And And as I'm leaving, I see my extra set of keys hanging on the hook. And I think to myself, I should take those keys with me. Oh, why would I take those keys? That's so silly. I'll just leave them there. And then I take them. No, I'm not going to. Oh, so I didn't. And then while I was there, I locked my keys in my car. And if I'd had the extra set of keys, I wouldn't have had to call the people to come unlock my car. Do you understand? I think that's little things. I think sometimes we're not aware that the Holy Spirit is thinking, I mean, speaking to us. We think it's just us. So I've been on a mission to really be um, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and know when it's Him or when it's me overreacting. And really, what does it matter? If I go ahead and take them, does it make any difference? Because at least I have them. I'm trying to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I believe that He speaks to you all the time. I believe that he directs you, he guides you. You know why? Because he is pursuing the people in your life. Whether they are your neighbors, your co-workers, um, the clerk at the grocery store, he is pursuing them just like he is pursuing you. And he uses us to pursue them. Therefore, when I am around others, especially those who don't know Christ, I want to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit and being confident in what he is urging me to do, and speak with kindness, self-control, goodness, and share the love of Jesus. I don't want to miss his leading anymore. I don't want to. I want to hear his voice. And I can look back on things that just, in the six years we've been here, and maybe things of, remember how I confessed, my irritability, my... uh, I have bent on right and wrong. Um, I have to really work on the gray part because I don't see there's much gray. Um, I'm, I'm very, my, one of my, we did the top characteristics and my top one is responsibility, you know, and so I don't have much patience with those who don't have that. That is me. You have your own things. You have your own issues. You have the own things that God is speaking to you about. But I have determined to do better than I did before. I've determined to be kinder, to be nicer, to be more patient with those in the world who are needing to come to know Jesus. And I believe that most of the time, we as Christians, we hurt things more than we help things. We hurt people's um, revelation of Christ more than we, I mean, we hurt it, yeah, hinder it more than we help it. Because of our own attitudes and our own fleshly 
desires. One of the things that I feel like we're missing in today's church is testimony time. Because in testimony time, you got to hear um, about how sister and so-and-so was delivered. Or brother so-and-so, that's what we used to call each other back in the day, if you're lost. Um, brother and sister so-and-so. How they were healed, how they were delivered, how God provided for them. And then those who didn't, weren't believers yet, they could see what God did for them. And what God did can do for, for them. And we don't have that anymore. I encourage you, share those things. I know it's uncomfortable. Sometimes I want to talk about the things of God and the things of church. And I know I'm talking to someone who's an unbeliever. I'm like my hairstylist. We think a whole lot alike in a lot of areas, but I know she's an unbeliever. And so sometimes I, I'm a little bit guarded to just start talking about um, what God's doing in my life or what God's doing in the church and how great retreat was. You know, she knows I went. So while well, God moved and God saved people, because I don't want her to feel uncomfortable. But don't you know that's what she is expecting out of a Christ follower? To talk about Christ and the things of Christ. So today, you can be the key. So how do we show the love of Christ to others? Number one, we remember that every key is different. Just because your key didn't fit in that lock, it may fit in another one. And we, remember, we know that God can use every key. And that we need to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. Say, I can be the key. I can be the key. Can I get my ushers? I've got a, something I want to pass out to you. Um, there's two little dishes over here on the altar, and they're little bitty keys. I've got this one. This is what God needs for me. I need to be reminded often. Um, you may not need to be reminded as often. But there's some little keys in here. If you're a man, you might want to take a smaller one, just warning, um, or whatever you want to do. But we'll just pass. everybody gets to take a key. And this is what I want you to do with this key. I want you to put it somewhere. Put it on your keychain, on your backpack. Put it um, in your wallet. Hang it somewhere. Put it somewhere that you can be reminded that you are the key. You are the key to Christ's love. See, the scripture says, His kindness leads us to repentance. And we need to be kind. And we need, when I say we, I mean me, needs to be nice and kind to other people. And I also need to be reminded, and so do you. So as you take these keys, put them somewhere, then I believe that God is faithful. And God is going to say to you, you're going to see that key while you're waiting at the drive-thru that's taking way longer than it should because the lady in the window didn't get your order right. And you're going to see that key, and you're going to be reminded that you are the key. You are what God uses. Will you stand with me? And this time we're going to say it a little different. I will be the key. It's a declaration. Say it again. I will be the key. And I pray, I pray that you will. God, we just lift you up, Father. Father, I thank you, God, that you revealed this to me. Lord God, that you love me so much, Lord, that you want me, Lord God, to be what you've called me to be. 
And love more, and God, more importantly, you love those around me and those people I come in contact with, Lord. Enough, God, to remind me that I, Lord, I'm your representation. That I'm the key, Lord God, that unlocks the door. That, Lord, you came, Lord, just to seek and save us, Lord. That was your purpose. And, Lord, I've got to be you with skin on. I've got to fulfill your calling. Father, I pray, Lord God, this week, Lord, in the next months, Father, as we're going, Lord, through our work day, Lord, that you remind us, God, that we are the key, that we are your instrument, we're your tool. Lord God, we are what you use, Lord God, to draw people to others. And, Lord, that it will change us and it will change those around us. God, I pray, Father, that your blessing would be upon us, Father. Lord God, that we will see, Lord, that we will be in tune with your Holy Spirit. That we will hear you when you speak to us. That, Lord, we won't push it out of the way, but, God, we will act. We will be obedient and we will trust what you have to say, God. And, Father, we are trusting that you're going to use us. Amen. Amen. Take your key, put it somewhere. Remind each other to be the key. And before noon tomorrow, before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to be the key. You are dismissed.